0: Go flex with Lex. I'm your host Alex, and I hope that you are having a fantastic Tuesday. I feel like I always say that, but I genuinely hope that everyone is having an amazing day. Um, let's see, Black Friday just came and went. I did absolutely no shopping just because one, I honestly forget about Black Friday. It's so funny as a kid, I used to beast, beast to go Black Friday shopping. Like, I remember being at my family's house and once like dinner kind of ended begging like my aunts and my uncles who were funny enough were probably like my age or a little bit younger at the time to like take me and my sister's Black Friday shopping I just always wanted to go and experience like the chaos so it's really funny that now as an adult with like my own money I literally could care less about Black Friday sales um I think sometimes like they definitely can be beneficial, but a lot of times it's not really worth it. And I feel like you may just spend your money on something because it's, you know, now at a more affordable price, not necessarily because you really want it. And also too, retailers actually mark up the price of their items right before Black Friday. So they make it seem like you're getting a deal, but in reality, like you're not, not really, but that's beside the point. So one reason is because I forgot about Black Friday's um, and the sales, and two, I mean, I didn't really have anything on my wish list that I was like, oh, I need to get this absolutely right now or like during Black Friday. So I let that pass. I ignored all the emails. I pretty much spent the entire weekend vegging out on my couch, just living life, vibing. Um, so that was pretty nice. Uh, Outside of that, I honestly don't have any other life updates and actually I'm really excited about today's episode because we have a special international guest and I really want to get to that episode. So I'm just going to stop talking here and yeah. And as always, the thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely my own and do not reflect those of my employer. Um, I am not a financial expert. I'm just a girl who likes finance. And I also would like it if you gave my podcast a five star rating and review. And I would love if you shared it with a friend. So we just wrapped up Thanksgiving. We are headed into the holidays. It's all about giving and cheer and preparing our minds for the next year. And what better way to kind of, I don't know, give a generous gift to yourself than learning how to handle your money better, but also learning how to have conversations with not only yourself, but with other people about money. So today's guest, Vanessa Stoikov, is an Australian-based media personality, author, and founder of Evolution Media Group, which is a financial service education-focused media group. And she's the author of The Breakfast Club for 40-somethings, and her latest book, The Five Conversations About Money That Will Radically Change Your Life, is essentially a guide on how to have important money-related conversations starting with yourself. So if you're someone who has been looking for that extra push or kick in the butt to get your finances and just life in general in order, Vanessa and her book is an amazingly great place to start. It's available on Amazon. Just Google it. You will find it. Um, Yeah, I'm so excited to have Vanessa on as a guest. Uh, I feel like this conversation for me was so motivating and I took away a few gems and I hope you guys do too as well. So Let's get into today's episode.
1: Hi there, my name is Vanessa Stoykov and I'm an Australian content creator, money educator and author and I'm thrilled to be here in the US with you today on this podcast talking about money because I have spent the last 23 years running a media company, Evolution Media Group in Sydney Um, and we have done content to get people to understand money better and I've partnered with the financial services industry to do that through branded content. Um, I've won international awards, Stevie Awards for TV shows that we've made called Money Masters and the Investment Series and, and put entertainment formats all around financial content but I'm here to you today to talk about content from my latest book which is a uh, available all through the states even through Walmart um, and I want you to get it because this book is the quintessential put it in your toilet Aussie manual for money and when I say put it in the toilet what I mean is this is a book that I've designed that no matter what age you are and where you are if you give me three minutes and your daily toilet break the bathroom break I'm going to get you to think about money in a slightly different way And that's going to be through text messages, through scripts, through me getting in your head and saying, you, I don't want to hear about a money book, lady, I want money. Oh, really? How much money do you want? Well, what do you mean how much do I want? Like I'm actually in your head and I'm going to challenge you on how you think about money and your potential. And I'm going to do it in one crap a day, lady. So, (laughs) I really want people to order this book and put it in their bathroom and tell me what they got. So, you know, that's, and again, Australian humour, you'll get today, remember, Crocodile Dundee people, like we are kind of like that in a way. Um, but I'm really on a a global mission to get people to get real about money and to talk about it and to not feel ashamed of what they have now and to think of strategically how their life could be better. Um, that's what I'm all about, girls.
0: Uh, I love that, and I'm so excited to speak with you today because I feel like your book really aligns with what I'm trying to do through my podcast is just to have people have conversations, whether it's with themselves or you know with other people about money and just like their overall money mindset. So I'm so excited to talk to you today.
1: Thank so- you. I'm excited to be here. <laughs>
0: So before we get started, um, I like to ask every guest like a little icebreaker question just for fun. Um, so for you, if you could act in a movie with any actor dead or alive, who would it be and why?
1: Uh, you know, I would be Vivian Lee in Gone with the Wind with Rhett Butler and Clark Gable, of course, and you know that scene at the end, I don't know if you do. See, I'm 49, babe, so I'm probably a little bit different generational, but there's a scene at the end where she's standing on the land and she's this beautiful woman who's been diminished after war to scratching in the dirt to find something to eat, and she stands up and says, by God, I swear I'll never be hungry again. Now, that's a line. I love that line, and that's the movie I'd be in.
0: So I actually haven't seen Gone with the Wind isn't it a book too cuz I feel like I might have tried oh, yeah, to read it. Oh yeah, it is a book. Okay. It yeah, it is
1: a book. But the movie's an old school, it's Hollywood classic. I mean, this is what Americans do well. It's beautiful <laughs> cinema.
0: So what inspired you to write a book dedicated to having crucial conversations around money? So before like what was that I guess you could say spark that kind of inspired you to um write this book?
1: Mm, That's actually a spot on question that you ask about the spark. So um, the book's actually part of something much bigger that I've been working on for a long time. And I started my career as a journalist and I went through journalism school and I got out and I applied for trucking weekly and, and equestrian weekly and I got investor weekly. And this is back before the internet girl. So I actually sent out 70 resumes. Um, and looked up J for journalist in the newspaper for a job. And I can't begin to tell you, I feel like an old timer now. And I'm like, when the hell did this happen? But I guess, you know, I'm 50 next year. But um, I started as a journo and what I realised about the financials Investor Weekly was writing about institutional funds management, which is how global fund managers invest millions and billions of dollars. And I understood nothing. I used to just shorthand everything people said that I was interviewing and then go to write it back word for word. And um, I actually went, oh, hang on a minute. Like what they're saying, I'm starting to understand it, but it's really boring. And so I've spent my time going somewhere between these highly intellectual, super intelligent people and me in something valuable, but they're not giving it to me. So back to my book, The Five Conversations About Money to Radically Change Your Life. The radical part is conversation one, the one with yourself. Are you even happy? What are you doing with your life? Do you like it? What gets you up? Like that is the first question. It's not about what you save versus you spend on a coffee or invest in a bond. It's are you liking your life? Because if you're not, okay, where do you want to be? Get rid of you can't, all the people holding you back, anything. For a minute, be selfish. Think about yourself. Where could you be in 10 years if everything worked out for you?
0: We think about life on like a day-to-day, maybe month-to-month, or sometimes we can think as far out as a year. But as far as like 10 years go, like you can't even imagine that and especially for people who are like my age it's like i literally can't even think about 10 years from now because it'll give me anxiety so i'd love to know just like figuring out what you want in life can be super confusing especially these days when i, I don't know it just feels kind of like the world is on fire sometimes um So in in the book, you provide questions to help kind of facilitate conversations uh, with yourself. But what if you can't answer those questions like right away? What can people do to help kind of edge them closer to their answer? Mm -hmm.
1: And you're not going to get it straight away. God, I wish it worked like that. You know, the one thing about getting older, I mean, your pants do not do up. That's sad. But you do get smarter and (laughs) because you can look back on time and go okay now as I'm about to turn 50 I do remember what it felt like to be 30 obviously I got pregnant at 29 I had my first child at 30 I remember what that was like I had one 14 months later too like I was going for it like but and then another one Um, I remember all those times but let me tell you it goes fast when you look backwards So one thing, I know the world feels on fire. And what makes me sad is that you say, if I try and think 10 years out, I feel anxiety. God, that makes me sad because what I want your generation to think is 10 years out, where could I be that excites me? It isn't about having all the answers. Like, honestly, do you like crocheting? One of my best friends from uni, he's like men who quilt. He's now having his own showing. He's been quilting for three years. He's run restaurants, whatever. And he's going to be like a quite famous, bloody creative and quilting and I'm like how how did this happen like you worked at David Jones you're a retailer you had a cafe and thing but he's like I'm passionate about this and I love it and I'm like cool and now he's doing showings and stuff and I'm like you do get permission to have a little bit more time when you're older so at your age I know it's so tough because you're hustling and you're tired but you've got to be optimistic about your own lives again like and dream for yourselves and I know that doesn't mean you have to have all the answers but you're America like you can do anything so what could you do like you're doing a podcast you just told me you're hard grafting it you've got 400 listeners 10 bucks you'll get 4,000, and then you'll get 4 million like you will but how long is that going to take you who knows because life's a journey but the thing is don't dread the journey because the journey you then you get to the end of it and the destination's death like have fun every day The journey is the destination, man. So the hustle is it. You're going to look back at my age and go, Shit, I hustled there. Like, I can't do half the shit I used to do in my 20s. Like, and also, I was hot and I always used to think I was fat. Now I look back and go, You fool. Like, you were hot. (laughs) Like, but again, 25 years too late. So, but I just wish people would go, Okay, you know, today I'm going to do this. Or, and stop saying I have to do this. Say I get to, I get to take my kids to school. I get to go to a job where I get paid for it. I get to get a bagel today and some people don't get any food. I get to have that, whatever it is, because you've got to keep your energy up for it. You can't just expect your cup to be filled up. Take some time every day in the morning for yourself. 10 minutes, you can do it. To lock yourself in the toilet if you have to and then read my book. Whatever (laughs) it is, take the 10 minutes to pump yourself up. Put your headphones on, put on music that pumps you up and think about your intention for the day. And see how it changes.
0: Wow. I'm feeling like inspired, especially when you're like, change your, you know, change your language, like that and like that reframing instead of being like, oh, like I have to do this, changing it to, oh, like I get to do this. Like, I think that's super important. Um, and then what you said about pretty much like the journey is the destination. Cause it's true, sometimes we just get so focused on getting to the destination we forget about the journey and then when we finally get to the destination we look back and we're like that's crazy or like maybe the destination's not even as great as you thought it would be like the journey was more fun um so
1: I love that I love that
0: because when you think of the destination as death it changes things so in your book um there I have a, a, a quote pulled out. Um, It's remember that comparing ourselves to others can be a grind that causes us to keep problems hidden and only show the best parts of our lives on social media. And like, I found this to be like super, like it stood out to me. And so I'd love to know, like when we're constantly consuming content, like I'm on my phone literally every single hour, it's really bad. But as I'm consuming content, I'm like comparing myself to like other people. So what are some ways you think that people can avoid feeling inferior and just like focus on themselves, especially when it comes to like their personal life and like money?
1: Okay. So the first thing I think that you've said something super interesting there is feeling inferior. And one of the things we as human beings do is judge each other on how much we've accumulated. And that's what it is, you know, the richer you are, somehow we've established that as the better you are. But is that actually the case? Mm -hmm. I think we've all learned no, it is not the case. The richest people aren't the best people. The richest people are the best accumulators. And when you start to look at life that way and you start to think, well, what are my values? And, you know, understanding your values is something you do have to come up with an answer on because it's understanding yourself. You know what my values are? Family first. My father was European and Europeans have a real Eastern European, you know, family's everything. So family's first for me and I'd die for my family and they would for me. But that's like a lot of people. We love our families, right? So that's one of your values. That's it. Another for me is creativity. I've written books, made shows. But I haven't changed the dollar. Try being a creative in financial services. It's not exactly an in-demand job, but it's um, been a passion of mine, right? And passion usually brings abundance eventually because it's an energy. And the more passionate you are and the more the work's delivered in a way that people respond to, money comes to that. But that's a process and it takes many, 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 many years. And I just don't want people to lose sight of that. And you can look at the Kardashians with the good butts and everything else, but how much work are they putting in? Jesus, I would hate my whole life to be scrutinized. So another thing you can do when you're looking at other people is, you know, the amount of work it takes to look like that. You know, the amount of work it takes to have makeup like that or hair, you know, what things cost. Their life is being consumed by that. Even if you're j your life's consumed by that. She must be the busiest woman in the world. She actually seems cool, but her life is a business. Yeah. Do you want to live like that? Because when you start to understand what reality of it is and what your values are, another one of mine is freedom. I cannot go to an office every day. I can't. It makes me want to vomit. I literally cannot do it. And I work out of my, I've got my own place on Sydney Harbour and I'll send you shots. Like I'm looking at the Harbour Bridge and Opera House as we speak but it's an apartment that I rent and I don't own it, but because I rent it and I can claim my business through it as an office, I live a life like I'm looking like royalty, but I don't have to pay a mortgage. And there's things that you can do and live like the smarter you get where you go, actually, I can, it values me. I want to catch a ferry to work. I want to live in Sydney. Sydney is a beautiful city. I'd love you to come and see it. It's beautiful. And um, and it's sunny and it's people are you know, nice, like we're good people and it's a good place to live. But I figured out a way I can do it. I used to have a big mortgage. I paid $9,000 a month. I ended up having to lose my house because I put my business against my overdraft when I was 41. And, you know, I had this charm life of an amazing media agency and was interviewing incredible people and traveling around the world, hence Neil Armstrong and Jeffrey Archer and Bryce Courtney and you name it. We were doing it and I lost everything, but I rented a house and our kids were young. My husband and I dug in and I will say your partnership and the second chapter of my book is how to talk to your partner. I don't care who you consider your partner, whether it's your best friend, your husband, wife, partner, like whatever that unit is, if you and someone else are a unit, you need to be on the same page with money. And so chapter two is all about how do you do that? How do you get that dialogue going without arguments? Because money's the main reason people get divorced. So that's really important. So chapter one isn't about discover everything you want to be in life. It's about start the dialogue. Who are you? Are you happy? Because then when you start talking to your partner, you can go in with things like, God, I've gone through this process and I realised all these things about my life. I sort of thought I'd want this, but I actually don't. Or, And then you go in with what you've learned about yourself. Because the minute you go in with a partnership trying to change someone else, you don't. Mm. Like literally doomed. It they have to come on the journey. They have to want to be on the journey. You can't drag someone along the path to financial freedom. Like, you know, they have to be there and you have to be aligned. And you know what? If you're not, it's probably not going to work out. And by God, it's better to know that early than late when you're young. Don't waste your years, you know?
0: Right. And that like this leads perfectly into my next question, which is how early in a relationship should two people start to talk about money? I feel like that's such a, for most people, it's such a like touchy subject.
1: Yeah, brilliant. I mean, what I do in this book is, is give scenarios on how you could do that and what's going on in the subtext. So one of them is a guy sitting with his girlfriend that just started dating and she's got this wine. Oh, this is really great wine. Oh, yeah, my mate owns this vineyard. I got a whole case. Oh, wow, what does that cost? You must spend a lot on booze if it's expensive wine. Oh, no, it was practically free. And she goes, oh, okay, in that case, I'll take a few bottles for mum and dad. And he's like, oh, my God, it was actually like 400 bucks. But the whole point is everyone's trying to portray something different about money from the start because we all want to present our best selves. Mm -hmm. You You don't want someone to think you spend a fortune on booze or you drink too much, and you don't want someone who you're assessing as a potential going, oh, hang on, is this guy just go drinking issue like so everything at the start is about getting to know each other but one of the things I would encourage people to do is be really open about themselves not I am a greedy girl and I want lots of money I've been in that mode in my life but you know going in saying here's my goals like I you know what I'd love is college education what I'd love is to start my own business what I'd love is to work from home and or You know, I'd love to be a mother or whatever it is, go in with that and say, you know, it's okay to say I'm working towards that. That's my plan. I've got this and that. They're quickly either going to go, Jesus, she seems really switched on and uh, I'm interested in this. Or they're going to go, no, I'm not after someone who wants stuff. I'm just here for a good time. And then it's up to you. Are Mm -hmm. they a good time or are they something that means more?
0: Right. So it's more so about not necessarily getting into like, specific numbers per se but more so like lifestyle kind of
1: attitudinal like situation, situation. values yeah. based
0: yeah you know are you someone that wants to go out a
1: lot are you someone that would spend a lot of travel because your values are freedom that's okay are you someone that really wants to own a house because you grew up and having no security that's okay
0: mm.
1: whatever it is just know why you're doing it right <laughs> and then you can tell them and then they can decide and they can tell you and if they don't then you know layers time watch like an onion as Shrek says haven't you seen (laughs) that?" it's
0: got layers so true so right now like a big debate on social media is about like dating and money um There's a lot of people out there that think like the man should just take care of everything. So I'd love to know when it comes to dating early on, should it be expected of the guy to take care of everything financially or should it be like a joint partnership kind of thing?
1: Yeah, well, look, as the mother of three sons, I would say, God, that's so unfair that it cannot be the case that the man has to carry everything financially because they're born with bits. You know, um, it has to be equal, but I'll equally say a man who wants to romance their woman will come up with ways to surprise and delight, and I will say at the same time, a woman that wants to surprise and love her man will do the same.
0: Mm. So
1: why should they do more and why shouldn't you both contribute? Why shouldn't you be a partnership? But if they don't do things, and it doesn't matter how much they Ben, gosh when I started dating my husband who was super hot at the time and 10 years older than me and he worked in advertising he um came to my apartment now, I can't remember how he got in that was creepy but he left a plant at in the kitchen a cyclone and a beautiful big flowers but he put a little petal from the door to there and just wrote uh something beautiful for someone beautiful now that plant might have been I don't know, 20 bucks maybe 50 it was a nice plant but uh He thought I was beautiful and he gave me something beautiful to remind me of that. And that, you know, that's a gesture. And it doesn't have to be an expensive gesture.
0: Yeah, it's just like it's it's the little things, I feel like. So moving on from like a to a different kind of relationship is like between child and parents. And so as a millennial, I'm not like a child, but I definitely don't feel financially stable and um but sometimes I I do think about like my parents getting older and just the thought of trying. I just always wonder about their finances. I'm like, oh, man, like I hope that they're set or like if something were to happen, like how would that impact like my finances or just like how I'm currently operating? So um, having conversations, I feel like sometimes with your parents, they may be like, They may still see you as, you know, that like five-year-old child. It's like, what are you like? Don't tell me how to like manage my money or, or, you know, poke into my business. So what's the best way to navigate a a potentially awkward conversation with your parents and money, like as a young adult?
1: You know, again, going back to the book, someone better order this bloody book off Amazon or where you can get it everywhere in America, because in the book, I do scenarios around that. Because the big thing around talking to your parents about money is kind of the big taboo of, so when you're dead, and nobody really feels good about that conversation of when I'm dead, it feels ghoulish. And there's so much emotion attached to losing your parents too, or your parents feeling like they're leaving you alone, that no one wants to acknowledge it. And in actual fact, that's a huge opportunity missed. And one of the reasons I do what I do and at this age is because here in Australia, we figured out that there is the biggest intergenerational wealth transfer in history happening over the next 10 years. And back in 2017, I was working with leading universities here to actually commission research around the level of people who'd be inheriting money, three and a half trillion in Australia. But I reckon I saw numbers that in the States, it's 60 trillion dollars that's going to be handed to the next generation. Baby boomers have been the most successful generation in history at accumulating wealth. Mm. So regardless of where you own a house or what you do, or, you know, there's money being handed over and how people treat that money is going to have serious implications. So if your parents understand that it is a strategic conversation based on your family getting the best possible outcome because everyone has to look after themselves, it very much changes. The way you said to me, I hope they're set. You should know. And if they're not, you should be talking about what they should do and what that means for you and how you could all get together and make it work. The more time you have, the better that ending is going to be because if you leave it till people get really sick and die, it all goes to hell because it takes time to sort stuff out. So get it in early, We talk about it beforehand. There's something else, you know, it's called giving with warm hands. So many people now who own properties and that can actually get equity out of the property to give to their kids so they can get in the property. Or, you know, there's so many other ways that people can unlock their assets, not just wait till you're dead and then your kids get it because they're middle-aged by then a lot of the time. It's not like you're driving around as a 20-year-old wearing bling. Like you've kind of got your own kids and doing shit and it's life's been hard. So how do you get in and go, I want to support your dreams early. What are your dreams? So again, in this book and why I say, leave it in, what do you call a toilet, a bathroom? You don't say toilet, do you?
0: (laughs) Yeah. The bathroom.
1: (laughs) Bathroom. Yeah. Okay. Do you know I went
0: to America,
1: I took Bermuda actually, and went into this resort and this cool American lady was there. And I asked for a pair of thongs and she's like, what, a thong? Yeah. get out of here. Because, you know, I should not be wearing a thong. And uh, I was like, yeah, thongs, because they're like flip-flops here, like thongs are what you wear on your feet. Oh. And <laughs> and then I realised what thongs are to America, I was like, oh, right. So there are slight cultural differences, let me tell you. <laughs> but. Um, I don't know why we digress there, but back to your parents, this book, if they start to read it, the whole chapter on talking to your adult children, you at least can go in with a mindset of why are we doing this? Why yeah. are we talking about this? Well, we want to make good strategic decisions. Like We want the outcome to be best for the people we love. We want to make sure you are going to be okay when you're older. And if it turns out you're not, what are your options now? The earlier you investigate aged care and all the things that you need for your parents, the better. Yeah. You can't learn all this shit when they're done. It's hard. Then you're left with a big stressful pile of crap. Right. So it really is better to do it while they're still okay and do it for them, but do it for yourself. And they'll do it for you. Your parents love you. Everyone's parents love their kids.
0: Yeah. Um, and then I, I'd love to get your perspective on this, being that your dad, um he like he was an immigrant. Um, but how do you feel about like parents who kind of use their children as like retire like as their almost like their 401k or their like retirement plan is that
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah well as long as I think suckers um in Australia and English society see we kind of put old people in homes but Asia and India and everywhere I mean that is the plan. So and I laugh so many of my friends that are Indian that are just like oh my God my mother in law and I'm just like ha but um I think more and more the well, people do it and it's okay if it's a mutual understanding, it's okay, but don't expect your kids to do it without talking to them. Mm-hmm. Like you've got to ask, you've got to have the conversation. Do they want you there or not? I mean, and even if they don't, you lob on, which could happen, like to all of us if you're desperate. Like how can you make that best for them? You don't want to be a burden to your kids.
0: Right. Yeah. Makes sense. Just ask. Um, mm-hmm. So. My last question for you is if you could tell your 25-year-old self one thing, what would it be?
1: Set up an investment account, which back then I couldn't have even done. There was no tech. But now I'm talking to you and uh, everyone your age, whether it's a Vanguard index fund or a Fidelity, whatever, you've got so many options there. And literally, even if it's a 100 bucks a month, 10 bucks a week, whatever you can afford, automate it, put it in there and forget about it. And then come back to me when you're my age and tell me what you got.
0: (laughs) Sounds good. And then where can people find you? Where can people buy the book, the book, make the title, uh, the five conversations about money that will radically change your life? Like where can people get it and like follow you?
1: Well, thanks. I'm, I'm really happy that I've used an American publisher. Again, me loving Americans called Mango. <laughs> so you can get this book through Walmart, through Target, through Amazon, everywhere. The, just you Google the five conversations about money, it'll come up. The radically change your life part's kind of like the promise where you go, really radically? I'm like, yeah, I actually think it is radical. If you end up having these conversations, your life will be radically different. I'm not saying it's exactly as you're going to want it to be, but it'll be different because you'll know stuff you didn't know. Yeah. Whether or not you want to hear it, it's another story. So, <laughs> you know, but you yeah. start it. And so you can get it on Amazon everywhere. My name is Vanessa Stoykov, S-T-O-Y-K-O-V, which means Yugoslav. But it means if you Google me, I've got my own website. You can subscribe to my stuff. I send out a newsletter once a month with just inspirational stuff. I have other content creators like animators and writers and romance people and that. So I, um, And I publish it all for free to get stories out there because I know people respond to different stories, right, and I'm a storyteller. So there's a lot of stories on my site that might spark you along the way because I'm not asking you to go on this journey alone. I'm asking you to find a story that relates to you and then figure out your story, you know, and eventually share that. So you can find me on that website. But you can Google me. I'm pretty global now, which... You know, I want to come out to America and do a a road show. I have a dream. So maybe I'll meet you in person one day.
0: Yeah, that'd be awesome. I've always wanted to go to Australia ever since like elementary school. So who knows? Maybe I'll find myself there one day. Oh,
1: remember when Oprah said, we're going to Australia. And I was like, (laughs) woo! <laughs> we all here were like, oh my God. So, yeah, let's hope it does. Go. Oprah is the. <laughs> I I've just did an interview with a magazine over there called Medium, and they had a question if there's anyone you could ever meet and have lunch with, who would it be? And I just said, Oprah Winfrey. Like, what she's done for storytelling and social impact through storytelling. I mean, that woman is an inspiration. So um, you never know. i got to keep putting it out there and maybe one day Oprah will hear it and go, okay, I'm going to talk to that woman in Sydney.
0: Yes, manifest it. Well, V, thank you so much for uh, being a guest. I appreciate it so much.
1: Well, I've loved talking to you and I can't wait to see your growth. I'm going to watch you now. So get out there, people, and um, start thinking about your own money story. And yeah, I can't wait to see the impact it has on people.